Welcome everyone, this is Pastor Jung here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California. Uh, God's blessings to you uh, this day or even in this evening, wherever you may be watching. Thank you for joining us as we continue on in our journey through the book of Ephesians. Again, uh, as we continue to uh, go on this study in the book of Ephesians, if you missed any other uh, parts of this Bible study, please go back on our YouTube channel and there you will see the archived verses along with other devotions and sermons. Um, also, if you go on www.faithmoorpark.com, there you will also find many, many helps, many devotions, many sermons, many services um, as you continue to edify yourself um, in the Word of God. Uh, we always um, invite you to partake of those uh, of those avenues and uh, feel free uh, to to look at those. But today uh, we're back at it. Uh, thank you for joining me again. I love studying the Word. I love it. Uh, it's such a great. It, it's such a great uh, uh, joy uh, to uh, to to learn and to review and, and to dwell upon God's Word. And here we are back. Why don't we begin uh, with a word of prayer? Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, without your help, our labor is useless, and without your light, our search is in vain. Invigorate our study of your Holy Word, that by due diligence and right discernment, we may establish ourselves and others in your holy faith. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All right. The Word of God. All right, where are we? We are on verse 19 of chapter 1 of the book uh, of Ephesians. Uh, and today we will uh, hopefully get through verse 19 of chapter 1 to all the way to chapter 2 uh, to verse 3. So not too many verses today. We'll see how it goes and we'll see how far we get. Uh, but why don't, we, uh, why don't we get at it here uh, as we begin now? Verse 19, do you have your Bibles out? I hope you do, all right? And as we continue on here with your Bibles out, why don't we read together, uh, why don't we read together uh, this, uh, this verse? Now again, I highly encourage everyone to get a Lutheran Study Bible, Lutheran Study Bible, English Standard Version. And why I say this is because the, um, not only um, is it in English Standard Version, but also uh, the, uh, the helps, the uh, the footnotes and, and um, how helpful they are. So I encourage you, uh, uh, if you are looking for a Bible, uh, to to take a gander at the Lutheran Study Bible. A great book, by the way. Uh, a great uh, a great a great work uh, as we see it. Uh, okay, why don't we begin here? Last week we we spoke of uh, Paul's prayer of thanksgiving and. And he continues it here uh, with uh, verse 19. And let's read that together. Um, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? Okay, so last week we see in the previous uh, verses uh, 17 and following that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ 
the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of Sophia, of wisdom, and of this uh, revelation in the knowledge of him. Um, Having the the eyes of your hearts, remember this heart, the centeredness of who we are, enlightened, remember Apostles' Creed, Article 3, as we're enlightened by his word, enlightened by his gifts, that you may know what is hope, true hope is Christ, what he gives as the Christ, as your Savior, there your hope is, is rooted, and this is the hope to which we cling, because for every hope, there is an object of hope, and that object of hope is Jesus, who has called you by that very word, What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Inheritance language, adoption language, grace, mercy, and peace language. Here we see it in verse 19. And what is immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. And we'll talk about that great might in the next verse. But here we're going to talk about uh, the prayer as we continue here. What is the immeasurable greatness What is the immeasurable greatness? Now, when we speak of greatness uh, uh, that St. Paul describes as our Lord, and we bring out the word immeasurable, it definitely shows us uh, not only who our Lord is, but at the same time, who we are. Now, what I mean by that is this, is that when we speak of uh, the greatness of man, and we can go back to this story, you know, the Babel, the Tower of Babel-like story where uh, let us go make a name for ourselves. Let us let us uh, defy God's word, right? And, and do our do our thing. Uh, let us make this tower and and, and build up to the heavens. And and um, you know, I, I think the greatness of man is always uh, shown to us in the fall, of course. But at the end of the day, uh, because of the fall, we know that uh, the greatness of man is um, limited, right? <laughs> because of sin. Um, yes, of course, there is pride uh, that man has, thinking that they are uh, sufficient, self-sufficient, uh, that they, they need uh, no other but themselves, uh, that they are uh, number one in their life, and uh, well, in that arrogance, in that obstinate way, a stiff-necked people we can be, uh, we think that we are so great. But in light of uh, what this immeasurable greatness is, um, and, and of course, uh, when we talk about uh, greatness of man, there's always that measuring stick, right? Of how much, how much have we done? What does our resume look like? Now, when we took it, look at the uh, description of who our Lord is, the immeasurable greatness. How profound our Lord's uh, greatness is, right? And that is rooted in his power. Now, the greatness of man can only do so much, and that's not so much, right? We are stopped in our tracks in light of our sinful condition, born into sin, right? Born into sin. And uh, we very well know uh, that uh, by that sin, in Genesis 3, uh, all have sinned and fallen short to the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And here we see uh, that all sinned. In the light of our own perceived greatness, uh, we are humbled by the fact that we are, uh, we're all sinners, uh, that for the wages of sin, 
is death. But yet, Romans 5.8, yet while we were uh, sinners, Christ died for us. And that is where we see the power, the immeasurable greatness, right? Greatness of man can only do so much, and that is nothing at all. Uh, when, when man thinks he is something, he is nothing. Um, and we, we very well know that uh, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What we talk about is power, ultimately. It is, it is in his cross, the power of the cross, where there he died for the sins of the world, shedding his body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. But also in his very death, we have three days later, uh, the resurrection. And when we speak of the power of the resurrection, when we speak of the immeasurable greatness, remember, this, uh, our faith is, is rooted in the hope that is of his greatness. And that greatness is of his power. And that power is of the resurrection. And that is rising from the grave. Destroy this temple, right? And in three days, I will raise it up again. And the people thought, wait, we built this temple in so many years, 40 plus years. How could this be in one, in, in three days? And, and, and he's talking about his power. He's talking about his resurrection. He's talking about uh, what this means for us in a sense of breaking the grave and uprooting our whole fall, right? And reversing that very curse by his death and resurrection upon the cross. I mean, resurrection from the empty tomb. Sorry. And it's in this immeasurable greatness, this power of the resurrection that uh, we have, of course, that he is the acceptable sacrifice, right? That he is truly proves that he is truly uh, not only the truth, but he is the son of God, but also that through his resurrection, we also have eternal life in his name, um, John 11, and uh, I am the resurrection and the life, of course. So this, when we talk about the immeasurable greatness of his power, the radical nature of the gospel is rooted in uh, the resurrection, that we, in our faith, trust and cling to the very resurrection that has uprooted us from uh, the separation from God, uh, from the chasm that was formed through the fall. And therefore, when we talk about immeasurable greatness, no matter how much I bring to the table, no matter how much you bring to the table, no matter how great we think we are, it is the Christ who is truly. He gives us, he delivers us by his very own uh, a power, his greatness, and that is ultimately of the resurrection. You know, we talk about the cross, but the resurrection is, is, is so important uh, to the fact where we don't follow a dead Jesus, but rather we follow the risen one, right? Immeasurable greatness towards who? Towards us who believe. This immeasurable greatness, as we see it, is according to the work of his great might, power and might, and by his power and might, we are children of God. I, it, you know, earlier I said about the greatness of man, about our self-sufficiency, about our pride. You know, uh, we, we live in a world where, where we think that, um, uh, that, that our works, that our, that our, um, uh, that our moralism, that our, that our legalism can, can actually bring us greatness in front of God. 
Uh, but when we understand the doctrine of original sin for what it is, we definitely know not only are we, as Jesus says, those who are uh, last will be first, first, last, right? And those who are humbled will be exalted, and those exalted will be humbled. I think it's the other way around, exalted, humbled, humbled, exalted, right? Uh, and, and this is so true, right? Because we are, we are humbled by the fact, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, right? Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, and we very well know that when we speak of the greatness of man in front of God, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're stopped dead in our tracks, dead in the fall, right? Uh, and therefore, when we speak of the immeasurable greatness of our Lord, his power and might, we see that in verse 20. Why don't we read that? That he worked in Christ, right? So this great might, this power is shown and worked through Christ, Right? Something that we cannot do. That's basically it. We cannot do. We do not have the power to do such things. We don't have the might to do such things. We're not simply uh, aspiring to be spiritual Arnold Schwarzeneggers, right? Like we're not, we're not striving to just be muscle men thinking that we have this power and might to save ourselves. No, we can't, right? Uh, we simply are, are people who are weak and, and dead in our trespasses, and basically we cannot do. But by the power and might of our Lord, he worked this in Christ, verse 20, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God <clears throat> or right hand in the heavenly places, all right? All right, so as we continue here, uh, with the right hand in the heavenly places, uh, we know that uh, when we talk about the exaltation of Christ, of course, uh, uh, this is part of that exaltation, right? Uh, ascending, and we say this always in the Apostles' Creed, uh, uh, that he descended into hell the third day he rose again from the dead, and he ascended to the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. Right. So what we speak of uh, the right hand of God, it is this all-encompassing um, uh, authority. Right. That um, he shows to us uh, very well uh, that um, in his uh, very word at that right hand, as we look at, let's say, Psalm one ten um, or Matthew twenty two. Um, we, we see those words, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So this place of right hand is a place of, of power, is a place of might until I make your enemies your footstool. So we see our Lord uh, not only at the right hand of God, but that he is, of course, the Son of God, he is truly God, and therefore, uh, for example, when we, when we speak of the sacrament, when we speak of the Lord's Supper, when we speak of uh, Matthew 28, Lo, I will be with you until the end of the age, baptize and teach in the name of the Father, son, baptize in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and uh, teach all that I have commanded you, uh, all that you have observed, right? And here we see also... Um, uh, that he would be with us until the end of the age. That when we talk about uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and 1 Corinthians, uh, we very well know that he says, take and eat, take and drink. This is my body, this is my blood, right? Um, and here at the right hand of God, uh, we know that he assumes um, 
that he has uh, that power, right? Um, and in that place, uh, he, well, he is where he promises to be. And that's why when we speak of uh, the right hand of God and we speak of his power, we also are assured that even in the sacrament of the altar, where there we receive by the power of God's word in the bread and wine, those elements in, with, and under, there we receive the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? Because he is our Lord, he is God, and he is, um, you know, he ascended to the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence, there he uh, assumes, right? All authority and power, there he is able, where his word promises to be, and that's where he is. And ultimately, it is all for what in the sacrament of the altar? What is the benefit? For the forgiveness of sins, given and shed for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. Receiving this true body and blood. Anyways, that's my side thought of the day. So when he raised and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. All right. Why don't we read here? Romans... 8.34 Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Right hand of God, far above all things, and there he is interceding for us. You know, how do I know that God hears my prayers? How do I know that, um, uh, that my, my prayers are answered? How do I know that, um, that I'm not just praying out into the middle of a dark void, right? Christ is our intercessor, right? Uh, and, and in that way, uh, we are very sure that when we are living this life of faith, um, that, that he is with us, but also that he is our intercessor, the one who hears our prayers, and by his will and by his time, uh, they are answered. So there is definitely, when we talk about the right hand of God, a very important place to which it is uh, the place of power and might to where God goes, but yet at the same time, uh, that shows us that he is omni present, that he is where he is, all according to the power and authority of his word. All right, uh, verse 22 to 23. Why don't we read that together, if you have your Bibles out. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. All right. Um... Jesus is the head of the church. Um, as Christ died for his bride, the church. Um, and this is when we talk about, uh, as we see right here in verse uh, 22 and 23, um, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, again, why is it important that Christ is the head of the church? Why is it important that Christ is the head of the church? 
Is the pastor the head of the church? Is the council members the head of the church? Of course, the answer is no. It's Christ who is the cornerstone, who is the head of the church. Right? And from him... flows all things, right? From his authority, from his word, right? Uh, From the words of Christ as the head, this is what the church is, that Christ is the head, that he is head over all things of the church. What we do is according to Christ and his word. You know, we're not bringing in new innovations. We're not bringing in new motivational speakings or new techniques or new ahas, right? We're simply continuing uh, to follow and to faithfully live according to his very word. When we talk about confession and absolution, this is uh, Jesus's word, right? John 20, the office of the keys. Uh, when we talk about loosing and binding uh, sins, right? Uh, we talk about a crisis head in the sense of uh, the institution of baptism, Matthew 28, go to make disciples, right, of all nations. How baptizing? Uh, we also talk about uh, preaching, right? What does he say in Luke 24, 44 to 47? He says, preach repentance and forgiveness. And also in the institution of the Lord's Supper. To do this in remembrance of me. So when we speak of Christ's head, uh, it is by his uh, well headship, Right? Uh, that we continue to proceed as a church. Um, yes. <clears throat> and at the end of the day, here we find our unity. You know, um, and I think uh, when we talk about the church, uh, you know, we, we speak of all the invisible church. Uh, We also speak of our local church as well, the visible church in the sense of um, uh, the unity that we have. But at the end of the day, the fullness is in Christ. The unity is in his forgiveness given to us. That we are children of God through the redemption of our Lord Jesus Christ. That we have eternal life and we celebrate this life all because of his name to which he rose from the dead and has given us life. Our unity is in the words of Christ. Our unity um, is not in because we all like the color blue or the color green or the color red, right? Uh, Our unity is in his word. And his word points us to what we all need, and that is the forgiveness of sins. That is a promise of life, forgiveness, and salvation. And um, this is uh, the head of the church, right? Pastors, of course, we think we can fix things, right? But then we become the savior, and that's not good. <laughs> right? That's not good. Right? We don't fix things. We're simply under shepherds of Christ. Under shepherds of Christ. It's Christ and his word that absolves. It's Christ and his word that strengthens and sustains and, and, and creates faith by the power of the Holy Spirit in people. Right? It's Christ and his word that reconciles us to God in that one true faith. So when we talk about head of church, it is our Lord. And... Um, yeah, 
When it's not, it always turns out bad. I'll tell you that. Anyways, uh, so here we have uh, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Um, and we, 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 here we speak of all the faithful, um, all who are led, uh, who believe in Jesus Christ and who continue under his headship. The fact is, where would we be without his head, without his headship? Uh, we would be in great trouble and we would probably follow a different doctrine, uh, a false doctrine uh, that would bring us down a very ugly and very dangerous and destructive path. That's why the word of God is so important. Not just saying the word of God, but truly the word of God, the Holy Scriptures, as we adhere uh, faithfully uh, to the inerrancy of Scripture and the trust in what his word gives to us. So this is a, a very important uh, topic here when it comes to the, the head of the church, that this is who our Lord is, and he is the head of the church. And there we find great assurance, not only in he as our head of the church, but as the one who gives to us by his very word, the assurance of salvation and the forgiveness of sins through his means, through his word. And, and there we are rooted in the body and blood of Jesus. Remember Christ dying for his bride, the church, uh, presenting uh, with, with all splendor and majesty, right? Without any spot or blemish, right? His blood, the cross, the empty tomb, the sacraments, baptism, the Lord's Supper, all this for the forgiveness of our sins. Christ is our head. All right. Now, he continues on in chapter two with, and you. Now, in uh, Ephesians chapter two, verse one, and you. Now he's connecting everything uh, to the, the Gentiles of the Ephesian church. So, so here uh, he is addressing where they were coming from. Now, to understand the grace of God fully, first we need to really understand truly what or who we are. The question is, who are you? Who am I? <laughs> That's such an interesting question, right? Who are you and who am I? Now, you know, if we don't understand who we are, then uh, spiritually speaking, uh, the doctrine of original sin. I know we could spend a decade and a lifetime on speaking about this. But when we talk about, when we discuss who we are, uh, it says right there in verse 1. Why don't we read that together? And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Verse 2, in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. The doctrine of original sin shows us in Ephesians 2.1. That we are dead. That we are dead in sin. Uh, and, he, and he's addressing the Gentiles. And you were dead in trespasses and sins. See, we, we go back to ver, uh, chapter 1 and the power and might of our Lord. When we talk about the power and might of our Lord, we very well know we need, by His grace, the, His power and might, because we are dead. You know, the great confusion of the faith is to think that we are something. 
It's as if Jesus is inviting us saying, come all you who are ready and able, who are perfect and pious, and I will give you rest. Is that what scripture says? I don't think so, right? It's actually the opposite. Come all you who are heavy laden, broken, right? Dead. Dead people need to be made alive. See Lazarus. Doctrine of original sin. Dead in sin. Right? Um, and this is the reality of what, as we inherited sin in our lives through the fall in the garden in Genesis 3, that we were brought to this world born into sin. That we were once dead in our sin. Right? Um, and when we speak of our Lord and the grace that he gives to us, grace means undeserved, unmerited gift. Right? This shows us clearly that we do not play a part in salvation. That we do not play a part in salvation. That we are dead and we need to be made alive. And this is humbling in itself. Right? Uh, when, we, when we say, um, well, you know, um, how do you know you're Christian? Well, I, I do good. You know, I, I do best for my neighbor. Um, I... I, um, I try to please God as much as I can. I go to church every Sunday. Uh, I go to every Bible study. I, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that. But at the end of the day, what truly makes you Christian? And that's the outside of yourself. That's completely the grace of God um, in this life of faith. But when we do not understand the original sin problem, what happens? We think we can play a part, Right? We think we can play a part, even if it's a little ounce or a little sliver or even a little drop. If we think we could play a part, well, the cross and the empty tomb, the power and might of Jesus is, well, pushed aside and saying, Lord, I got it. The fact is, St. Paul is showing us here that they didn't. This is the, the state of their condition. In other words, St. Paul is saying, you are dead without Christ. That eternal death and condemnation should be our sentence. And we look at the, 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 uh, the, the book of Revelation, chapter 3, and, and um, the, uh, the letter to the, the, the churches, right? And I think this one's to Sardis, I believe. And he was uh, accusing them or, or really bringing them down in a sense of uh, showing them that they seem to be alive, but they are spiritually dead. And um, that deadness is real. Right, that 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 spiritual deadness is real, as as we look at sin, and um, well, I guess at the end of the day, uh, we need to be made alive. Um, the question is, do we have the decision, will, and ability to reach out to God? How does spiritual deadness impact our abilities in regards to salvation? Right. You know, being dead in trespasses and sins is the inability, due to original sin, 
and the consequence of separation from God, that this fall has brought man completely to rely on God's work. That our life of faith is in God's work. Right? Our faith is in God's work. What makes us Christian is God's work. Right? Um, because we very well know sins is that whole picture of not only missing the mark, but like uh, uh, failing uh, to reach, uh, failing to reach that goal due to the separation of God. We can't do it. We're incapable. Because we're dead. Dead people cannot make themselves alive. And thus, faith in Christ, given to us by his grace in Jesus Christ, there by his work, uh, we see what it means to be made alive. We see right here, in which you once walked, following the course of the world, verse 2, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Now, this is what they once were mired in, right? This is that spiritual blindness as we see it, um, as St. Paul is describing. And this is the road that they were on. Now, I want to really decipher this road. And this is, I think, the last thing we're going to talk about today. Uh, but I want to decipher this road because I think it's easy to uh, confuse what this road looks like, right? So... We see right here, uh, which you once uh, walked. You know, when we talk about walking, uh, when we talk about walking, we're always uh, walking on a, well, my Bible study, uh, they, they said sometimes they walk um, on new, new paths. But, but when we're walking, we usually take a certain path, right? And we're walking down the street, and there we are. That's my drawing. This is how I draw. Don't insult me on that. Right? But we walk and we take a road. Now, think of it this way. Uh, in which you once walked following the course of the world, of the cosmos, right? When we talk about the, the world, what is the world inherently? We see right here the power of the air. Who is that? The prince. Not the king, but the prince. Oh, the prince right, of the air. And this is uh, the evil foe himself, the devil, Satan, and his minions. Uh, the course of the world is what? Uh, well, the laundry list, right? It's rooted in uh, that spiritual blindness where, you know, the cravings, the desires, you know, uh, the sinful flesh, all of it. And when it comes to boundaries, when it comes to God's word, uh, completely uh, a disregard as the devil continues to lead uh, people in these deceptions. And eventually their destination, of course, uh, as they look at this life is, well, you know, um, just going to live my life the way I please. And when it ends, it ends. And, and I'm just going to live my life the way I desire. Right. This is kind of the course of the world, um, which they once walked. Dead in their trespasses. This is the path. It's just like, um, you know, I don't know if you remember that movie, Spirited Away. Do you remember that movie? Um, but there's a scene in the movie where uh, 
uh, where uh, the boy's parents are eating at this marketplace and they're gorging themselves with food and suddenly they turn into pigs. Uh, and that is the mo- that is the picture of humanity, right? It's just that we're we're always feeding on something, and I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about the idolatry, uh, all the cravings of our lust and our flesh. The Ten Commandments definitely show us this, as the Ten Commandments show us our sin uh, at the end of the day, right? And our inability to fulfill the law. But we see that this is the course of the world in which they once walked. Now, for us Christian, what is our course? Do we still face do we still face the cravings and desires? And the answer is yes. Uh, do we still face uh, the sinful flesh, the old Adam? Yes. Does the devil, of course, throw all the darts or the, the arrows? Yes. Sorry, of course of the Christian. But what is the difference? You know, for us, when we fall short and we live out our path on this road, we very well know the word of God. We very well know the commandments, the demands to which God calls us to be. Yet these commandments show us in faith that we have all fallen short to the glory of God. Right? These commandments show us our sin. They show us the mirror, second use, the reflection, of course, of who we are and what we have done. So when I gossip, it's not I'm just telling it how it is. Rather, in accordance with the law of God, it's I've sinned against my neighbor and I did not speak, uh, I did not put the best construction on things. Right? I fall short there. Or let's say uh, the gift of uh, contentedness, right? Uh, the covetousness, the greed. Well, I want, I take. And I'll get it the, the, however and wherever and any way I can, I will get it. Um, and we see that in the world today, you know, with, um, on the news. You see it time and time again. Uh, but for us, you know, we, we know that that's a struggle. We know that is against God and his word, right? That boundary is his word. And therefore, by that word, we are shown and we see that struggle. We see that battle. Um, and what do we do? In faith... In every transgression, just as we do every Sunday, we confess. We repent. And there in that faithful call to repentance, as we do on Sunday corporately, as we do... um, uh, uh, as we examine our hearts, definitely uh, before we come up to communion, uh, we, we examine our hearts, we, uh, uh, we repent as well. Uh, but there in repentance, we rest in faith. Remember, two parts to repentance, and that is contrition and faith, right? That we have sorrow for our sin, but also we have faith That Jesus forgives us, just as he says, right? As we say in the liturgy every Sunday, right? A God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins. So, again, when we talk about the course of a Christian, it doesn't mean that we're perfect in our own work. It doesn't mean that we're we're trying to live the self-righteous life where we're trying to be perfect. 
Uh, of course, do we strive to love and serve neighbor? Of course, yes, we do, right? Do we strive to put the best construction on things? Yes. Do we strive to look out for our neighbor's uh, bodily possession? Yes. Uh, do, we, do we strive to take care of those around us? Of course, right? Do we, put, uh, do we have any, uh, 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 do we fear love and trust God above all things? Of course, right? Uh, and, and as we live in this life of the course of a Christian, it is a life of faith, that is in constant, as Luther would say, the Christian life is a life of repentance. Then in a day we confess our sins, but where do we always rest and end up? In the gospel that Jesus forgives. And there in that joy of the gospel, we continue on third use of the law, law uh, as rule, as guide. And there we continue to love and serve our neighbor in the joy of the gospel. And in he for, uh, we love because he first loved us. And it's in that joy that we love. And when we fall short, what happens? We go back um, to, uh, to repentance. Because we always are living as we, as we are his children, as he is our true father. We very well know that when we fall short because we live in this life of faith. And that's the constant, uh, that's the constant in our life as we continue to face uh, the struggles of our sin, but yet at the same time, the victory that is in Christ Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, the comfort of salvation and peace, knowing that, that you have that good conscience because you are covered through the resurrection by his blood and in your baptism by the power of his word and promise that you are forgiven of your sins. And as we partake of the meal of the supper, there too, we receive the forgiveness of sins. So anyways, uh, as we conclude there today, which is verse uh, 2, um, I believe, and 3 as well, about the passions of the flesh and carrying out the desires of the body and mind, uh, were by nature children of wrath. Uh, this, is, this is the picture of the world. And as we enter into this battle, uh, as Dr. Just would say, in your baptism, you, uh, you enter into the apocalyptic battle. And there we are in this battle, right, of the world, the flesh, and the devil. A battle that we've never seen before. But now in the life of faith, here we see what we are up against. But yet, this is not our fight. But it's by the power and might of our Lord Jesus Christ. His immeasurable power and might, according, shown to us through His resurrection and being raised, uh, but also uh, ascending to the right hand of God the Father Almighty, uh, that there, uh, as Christ is our head, we reside in the forgiveness of our sins. All of it, all your sins are washed away. Right? The wrath of God. Jesus took that cup of wrath at Calvary. Right? The, 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 the sins, the, the, the lust, um, uh, all, the, all the broken commandments uh, that we have done, all those sins Jesus bore for him, for us, uh, upon that very cross and, and, and proved to be, uh, through his resurrection, the victory um, of that very cross, uh, the joy of the gospel, knowing that we have been set free and no longer bound and captive. Um, we, we, of course, rest in those promises. So, Again, all by the grace of God, right? The Christian life isn't guaranteed to be uh, easy. There is much suffering in the Christian life, right? And that's okay, because that suffering in the midst of all things points to what? The suffering of Christ and the grace that he bestows upon us as he comes to the world to, to take upon this flesh 
to be the lamp unto our feet, the light to our path. Jesus is the light of the world, and there he leads us all by his work, right? Transferring us from the domain of darkness to his marvelous light. The course that we once strove on, there Jesus in his triumphal entry, right? Strove on that road, on that donkey, to his very death, straight into his death for the sins of the world. And there now, in Christ, in his name, as we are baptized into his name, we live accordingly in this life of faith. Repentance and forgiveness. Repentance and forgiveness. Repentance and forgiveness. Repentance and forgiveness. Forgiveness that is Christ. All right, we will stop there. Next week, uh, we will continue on with verse 4 and following. Thank you for joining us this day. And why don't we conclude with the Lord's Prayer. All in one voice. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. May you all have a blessed day, and may this word dwell within you richly. If you have any questions or comments or thoughts, you know where to reach me. Give me an email. Give me a call. I'm always here for you. God's blessings to you all, and have a wonderful day. Until next time, adios and goodbye. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmorepark.com.